Um, it's been a stormy year in 2007. For me personally, and we've probably all gone through our own storms, and as we cross into 2008, it's inevitable we're going to have storms that are going to come again. Now let's hope they're not that size, but they might be. Or they might be little storms, but inevitably they're going to come, and what better to do than to be prepared for those storms. So here's the short story of how I came to uh, this message this weekend. Um, it actually starts here, right here on this uh, platform back earlier in January when Pastor Terry asked me to co-lead with him a part of the leadership session for the leaders in the church. And basically what I did that day was I laid out some tools for leaders um, and how to be more predictable in who they are and more predictable with their time. And I went as far back in January as to try to share some of my goals and objectives for the year and against what I thought I knew would occur in 2007. So I tried to predict against a couple of big areas, and it's not uncommon for me to do this every year, to set these kind of goals around my physical health, my spiritual health, the relationships that I have, health there, and vocationally. But as the old adage says, um, best laid plans. Because the 2007 that I thought was going to occur just didn't quite turn out the way I thought it would. In fact, to be blunt, the clip that you see there sort of felt like a mild disturbance um, for me this year. And I've had a, uh, a fairly stormy year that I can tell you that, you know, you can suffice to say that the year that I planned didn't turn out to be uh, anything like the year that I thought it would. But let me tell you how God works. In, in September, Pastor Terry um, asked me if I would speak this weekend. And the winds were blowing pretty strong at that time. In fact, in this year, I, for the first time in my life, I lost someone through death that was close to me. Um, that was my stepfather of 20 years. And also in this year, I had set these goals for myself physically, and I'm a fairly physical guy. I'm a runner. I like to run. Um, and lo and behold, I had my first broken bone this year, which may not seem like much to you, but for a guy who gets out and runs four or five times a, a week to be laid up and not to be able to run for four months, it not only kind of tore me up physically, but it also started to play with my mind. And I started to go through some mental things. It's like, you know, I, I just didn't feel like myself. And then all about that same time, um, in early September, um, my wife and I were driving down to Southern California and I got a telephone call from my brother who said, um, mom's okay, but she's been in a terrible, terrible car accident. And it did turn out to be a terrible car accident, one that you know, she still hasn't recovered from yet. And in that same week, my wife Patty got a call from her father who said, mom's okay, but she's in the hospital with a heart condition and we're not really sure how it's all going to work out. Those were the storms that were blowing. When Pastor Terry and I talked about um, me doing something uh, this weekend, and at the time I was just sort of shrugging my way through it, you know, just sort of doing what, you know, you ever read that book by Norman Vincent Peale, The Power of Positive Thinking, you know? You just positively think yourself through these things. It's, it's got to get better, right? It just has to get better. And then we decided that this would be the discussion that we would have and that this would be a, uh, a good topic for um, 
for me to share because I had found in, in reading and in the Bible and praying about it, I found a chapter in Mark 4, seven verses that I thought would be a great way to close the year and for us to move into the new, the, the new year. And it was the story about how Jesus had calmed the storm for his disciples on the lake. And we decided that this would be a great transitional message. And then lo and behold, right after that, the winds picked up again for me. The velocity of the storm even started to get worse. And I'll share a little bit about what happened. But what I do know is that God was up to something with me again. And since that time in September, he's tested me in a way he never has before. And if you could see inside of me as I stand here right now, the ro there's rolling going on. Clearly, in my, in my life, there's rolling going on. In fact, if you could probably see it, we'd just pass out Dramamine for everybody. Because <laughs> it sort of feels like that clip in, this, in, the, uh, in the scene there. But let me tell you, right here and now, God delivers. Because what he delivered to me was a set of scriptures, these seven scriptures, that I've been holding on to almost like a daily devotional since September. And it's helping me get through my own storms. So what I wanted to do was spend some time going through them together. Because if you're going through your storms, whether they be big or small, I think this is, this is something that can help. So let's turn in our handouts or in your Bibles there to Mark chapter 4. It starts in verse 35. Verse 35 says, as evening came. And so let me set the stage. It's the end of a long day. Jesus and his disciples had been ministering all day long. And no matter how they moved away or where they went, more and more people were following. So Jesus says to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So in verse 36, it says, so they took Jesus in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind. Now, let's think about who got in the boat, Jesus and his disciples. So one thing to point out here is, is that Jesus' disciples, many, if not most of them, they were fishermen, right? These were experienced guys on the water. They were sailors. They were sailors. So they started out, leaving the crowds behind, and then there's a little part of the verse. It's almost like a throwaway line. In fact, in the modern translations, it's in parentheses. I think it's in parentheses there in your handout. It says, so much to me, even though it's just a little line, it says, although other boats followed. And I want you to hang on to that as the rest of this story unfolds, because there were others who followed Jesus and his disciples onto the lake, out into the water, and these were likely not experienced fishermen. I mean, maybe some of them were, but likely they were people just like you and me who'd heard Jesus speak, who were intrigued enough that they wanted to hear more. So they said, let's go follow those guys. Let's go follow that man. And then verse 37, we see what happens once the boats are out on the lake. It says, but soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. So we don't have a good scene unfolding here. We got a big storm coming up, waves coming into the boat, and the boat filling up with water, nearly full of the water, full of water. And what a very interesting juxtaposition to just a moment ago. Because a moment ago, everything was going great. Jesus and his disciples had had a great day of ministering, a great day of work, if you will. And the fishermen were out for now what to them was a routine trip. Right, we're just going to take a boat from one side of a lake to the other. 
And then up comes the unexpected storm. And it would have had to be unexpected, right? Because these were fishermen, these were sailors. They wouldn't have got out on the water if they'd known a storm was, storm was coming. You know the old adage, red sky at night, sailor's delight. It was probably one of those beautiful evenings that we're just going to go across to the other side of the lake. And then we find out what Jesus was doing during this time in verse 38. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. So this is one of the great debatable verses of the Bible. Jesus was sleeping? God can sleep? Now, I went back and I did lots of research and lots of studies, and there were those who said, no, 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 he wasn't studying. It is, um, he wasn't sleeping. It was a test. He was acting like he was sleeping. And there were others who said, oh, no, 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 he was definitely sleeping. Well, here's the way I think about it. God sent Jesus to earth as a man for him to live like you and I live so that we can identify with him from birth to death. And here's Jesus. He and his disciples had been working pretty hard. I mean, they had been teaching all day long. And for any, any of you who have ever taught, either children or adults, it's hard work. It wears you down. He was tired. So I like to believe, like a man, he was tired. He probably was sleeping at the back of the boat. And I also find it profoundly instructive that Jesus would have been sleeping while the disciples were in the front of the boat practicing their skills, practicing their experience, practicing their experience as fishermen trying to maneuver this boat within a storm. Now we get to a point where I actually think that if we could have had film, we would have made a better movie than A Perfect Storm because we've got this big storm in front of us, we got lots of danger, we got experienced guys, we have leaders in their own rights, and from what we know in other verses of the Bible, these were guys who had some pride about them. So I can see a scene where they're watching the storm come up and those waves are coming and they're coming and they're coming. They're getting bigger, they're getting bigger, and as they start to come across the boat, then the boat starts to fill with water. Each one of these guys are probably taking turns being captain, right? One of them saying, do this. That doesn't work. Somebody else says, well, do that. That doesn't work. Somebody else says, do this. That's not working. And finally, one of them says, hey, let's go find Jesus. Now, I would have found this scene almost funny because who's going to be the one to go get Jesus? Who's going to be the one who was so scared, scared enough, that he's going to go back and ask the boss for help? So it might have been rocks, paper, scissors, right? You know, who's going to be the one that's going to go back and get Jesus? Well, one of them either lost or decided to lead. And probably the rest followed back to the back of the boat. And if the storms were still blowing and the boat is listing, what would they had to have done? They probably got down on their hands and knees or as far down as they could, holding onto the side of the rails to move to the back of the boat to find Jesus. And what a great illustration, isn't it? Having to fall to your knees to find your balance to find Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10.12 says, Let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. So the disciples would have had to hold on and lower themselves as low as they could to keep their balance in the face of the storms. A saying I have said to myself hundreds of times this year as I've been going through my own storms, and it's worth remembering. 
when the going gets tough, the tough fall to their knees. It really helps. It really helps. So one of the Bible translations says that they frantically scurried back to the boat, and what do they find? There's Jesus sleeping. So I think this had to be a little unnerving for these guys. Here they are, these experienced sailors, right? They're terrified. They look in the back of the boat. There's Jesus, the carpenter. This is a guy who hadn't spent a lot of time on water. This is a teacher. He's a landlubber. He's sleeping? How could this man be sleeping in the midst of this storm? And then, who wants to wake him up? So, you've already gone to the back of the boat. You've already showed yourself really scared. Now, one of you has got to be the one who's going to wake this, the boss up. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation, but I have, where you've had to call your boss on the weekend or late at night at home, you know, and the phone rings, and the phone rings, and on the other end of the phone you get, hello? And you're like, uh, hey, I'm sorry to disturb you. I, 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 I'm really sorry, but I need a little advice, a little instruction. I need a little help. You know how you feel about that big at that point? Well, you know, there had to be some of that feeling that was going on, too, when they were saying, you know, we got to wake up the boss and see what he wants to do. But what do they do? They're shouting because they have to get over the storm. You'll see in the verse, the disciples woke him up shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? And I love this line because what is it that they say to Jesus? They say, teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Not that we're all going to drown. And isn't it funny that in the times of trouble, the true colors that sometimes come out? Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Thinking about themselves, not necessarily about Jesus. Now, I also think that he, they went to Jesus as a man, not as God. They weren't looking for a miracle to happen. In fact, we find that out later, what happens when the miracle does happen, what happen the, the way they respond. They were probably really looking for advice and instruction. They were really worried. They were terrified. And they actually call him teacher, teacher. So they're looking for him to, to do something. Maybe it was, hey, will you come row with us? You know, or start bailing, or we need to reshift the weight on the boat. But you need to do something because this boat's going down, and it's going down fast. But what does Jesus do when he wakes up? In verse 39, it says, When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped, and there was great calm. Notice this, that Jesus calmed the wind and the storms before he speaks. That's a lesson for all of us. God speaks in the calm when he can't be interrupted. We need to find the calm times in our lives to hear the voice of God speak to us. And then he looks at them. He's taking care of the winds and the storms. And then he looks at them in verse 40 and he says, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And there's that great line. O ye of little faith. You know, it's funny how we cavalierly use that line these days. You hear it all the time. Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, ye of little faith. I, mean, I find myself on Thursday nights when I come home from work, coming into the house, and Patty saying to me, did you take the recycling out? And me, oh, ye of little faith. <laughs> we cavalierly use the line, but that night on the lake, 
At that moment on the water, we have Jesus asking his disciples a question of their souls. The guys who should have been so full of faith, why were they afraid and where was their faith? Again, I think this is a great piece of instruction as Jesus was pretty much putting it right back in their face. I mean, he was saying, come on, guys. It's me, Jesus. We've been out here together. I've been doing miracles. You've been teaching others about me. And now when the tough gets going and you can't figure out what to do on your own, you stop believing? I hear Jesus saying, come on, guys. Do you think that me or my father was really going to let this boat go down? Now, I also read something else into what Jesus was saying to his disciples. I, see, I hear him saying something that's really helped me this year. When Jesus says, why are you afraid? I hear him saying to me, Rusty, what if you didn't have all of that fear? As I mentioned, in late September, the storm started getting tougher for me. At the beginning of October, as Pastor Terry said, I'm a CEO of a, of a startup company. And that comes with its own challenges and comes with its own responsibilities. But in the beginning of October, my investors decided that it wasn't time to reinvest into the company. It was time to actually go sell it. And what that means to a CEO is you've got to go start to do some things that you wouldn't naturally go do. And one of those things is that you have to shape the company to be ready for sale, which means that you have to get your expenses down. In most companies, what are expenses? They're people. And in early October, I came out of a board meeting where the board had made the decision, and I had to go and stand in front of my company and tell them that we weren't going to go forward as an ongoing entity and that more than half of the people in the room wouldn't be there to actually see the sale of the company. And then the next day, I had to go meet with 31 people and tell them that they no longer had a job. Hardest thing I've ever done in my career. The only thing I could pray to God at that time was, God, give me courage. Just give me courage. But what Jesus was saying to me in this story, and God was saying to me in this story is, might you be missing out on something because you're afraid? I'm trying to give something to you with just a little more faith, Rusty. I still don't know what that is. I have no clue. All I'm doing right now is trying not to be afraid and trying to strengthen my faith. You see, I could have imagined a scenario that night on the water that could have been totally different. Imagine that when the disciples were in the front of the boat and they'd exhausted everything that they humanly could have possibly done, but the boat still felt like it was going to capsize, that before one of the guys got up and said, I'm going to the back to wake up Jesus, someone else would have grabbed him by the arm and would have said, no, 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 no. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're in the boat with Jesus. We're in the boat with the Son of God who's been sent here to this earth for a purpose. It's not supposed to end like this. We're supposed to be in the boat. Our faith is supposed to be strong. We're supposed to take this ride together. Come on, let's do it. And then imagine the scenario that they would have come through the storms. And on the other side, Jesus would have woken up he would have come up to the front of the boat and there had been a group of guys with big grins on their faces that say, that say Jesus, I can't believe you were sleeping because you just missed a wild ride. 
And I can imagine one of them saying, you know, I'd pay to do that again. Of course, that would have been the beginning of amusement parks, right? <laughs> but that's not what happened. If they would have, if they could have, you know, it might have ended up that way. But what happened instead was their faith was not strong enough. And instead, what Jesus had to do is he had to question their faith. And when he did, the disciples found an even greater gap in their faith. And you'll see in verse 41, the disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man, they asked each other, that even the winds and the waves obey him? They even backed up a step away, terrified from the one who just saved them. So I find the story of the miracle of Jesus calming the storms as a, as a devotional for me. Um, it's been great for me just to sit with it over the last few months. And there have been some points that I've actually pulled out of it that I'd like to share with you if you, you'll indulge me for a few minutes. Um, the first one is, and I call these steering points, is if God is in the boat with us, can it really sink? So to me, it's more than a rhetorical question. You know, I think it's sort of an easy answer, although it's hard to understand. The answer has to be, of course not. If God is in with the boat with us, he would never let it sink. Now, that would be hard to understand when you look at those in other places of the world or in other times who've actually given their life for their, their human life, for their faith. Impossible for under, us to understand, but God had a purpose and a plan even then. See, we may not know it. We may think that the boat is sinking. But what's happening is, is we're using our water line, not God's. He has a whole different water line for us for the definition of sinking. The virtue of the storms in our life, by the way, those are disruptive moments. Those are disruptive moments that make us ask questions, questions of our souls. And you know, in this story, I actually found it kind of reassuring that God could sleep. I kind of like the idea that he could sleep through my problems. Because what that says is there's no problems too big that if I've got God in the boat or if I'm in the boat of God that he can't handle. Secondly, surely as we stand here today, God's going to call us. In 2008, he's going to call each one of us. Just like Jesus called the disciples after a very successful day, he called them and he calls us in the best of our times to do the things that he asks. He then puts us to work. And typically, and so many times, in the course of our own business, using our own skills and our own experiences to maneuver our own boats, to steer the best we can until we finally give up the helm to him. And he calls us also in the toughest of times. Not just to run to him, but to be the best that we can be, but not to lose the fact that our best is only when we give him back control of our boat. He asks us to show us our faith, to show our faith, and as it says in Romans 12:3, to be honest in your estimate of yourselves, measuring your value by how much faith God has given you. What a great way to measure our value as human beings. And as he did in the boat, Jesus asks us all the time, where is your faith? And do we have the answer that he's really looking for? So, Remember the movie Titanic, another good boat movie? I'm into boat movies today. Remember Titanic when Leonardo DiCaprio's at, up at the front of the boat? And he's leaning out over the ocean, and the wind in his hair, and he's looking back like this. You know, 
Wouldn't it be great that when Jesus says, and God says to us, where is your faith? That if we can look back over the, our shoulder and say, I'm up here, God, riding the waves. How awesome that would be. Which brings me to my next point. The stronger our faith, maybe the wilder the ride may be that God is going to give us. See, I do wonder what it would have been for the disciples and what did they miss by waking up Jesus. Does God test our faith? Sure he does. Does he want our faith to deepen beyond anything that we can humanly imagine? And are we given situations and circumstances that are beyond what we can humanly understand? You know, I can't explain it, but I think the answer is yes. We all face, as, I, as like I have this year, with the death of a loved one, illnesses, accidents, unfortunate things that have come our way, we all face things that make no sense at the time. But later, after the storms blow through, when we look back upon those challenges and those storms, if our faith allows us to put them all into context, we find that what God was doing was strengthening us. Strengthening us for the future, for what we might uh, have happened to us, but also what we might do to influence others along the way. See, once we go to another level of faith, it's sort of like, and I'm going to date myself here for a second, it's sort of like the first time I saw color TV. I remember it well. It was in The Wizard of Oz. Now, for those of you who aren't that old, it's like the first time you see HDTV, okay? <laughs> once you see it, you never want to go back. And it's the same way with our faith. Once we've experienced that level of faith, we never want to go back. But if we do, we know what we're missing from that point on. Which brings me to my closing point. We're never in the storm alone. Remember that little throwaway verse, line in verse 36? Though other boats followed. When Jesus and the disciples cast out onto the lake, there were other boats that followed. They were others on the lake that were experiencing the exact same storm. Now, we don't know if they were as well-equipped or well-prepared or were they sailors or not, but they were all in the same storm on the same water together. See, the disciples, like us in our storms, could have actually been reassured and, and felt better about the whole situation because they would have said there were other boats on the water with us if they recognized them, that if we capsize, they're going to come over and try to help us. There are others in our lives that when we're going through our own storms, they're going through others, their own, that are there to help us, to help us work through them, if we want them and if we take their help. You know, mom and dad actually had it right. Never go out into the water alone. And just as, as importantly, there are others on the water who are looking to us as followers of Jesus, the people who already proclaim, proclaim to be in the boat with God already, and they're watching to see how we weather our own storms. See, I'm afraid on that evening on the lake, what might have happened for a moment when the disciples crouched down to crawl to the back of the boat, that all the other people were on the lake would have looked over and they said, wait a minute, if they're afraid, we're in big trouble. Now, Jesus fixed that moment. He calmed the sea. But how many times do we forget that there are others on the water with us not only to help us, but are also watching to see what we do.
let us not forget the impact that our faith can have on others. In your handout is a poem. It's 400 some odd years old, and it holds today as it did when it was written as a great summary of the lesson. When the winds and waves assault my keel, he doth preserve it, he doth steer, even when the boat seems most to reel. Storms are the triumph of his art, though he may close his eyes, yet not his heart. The band is going to come up. The ushers are going to come up so we can receive our offering. But I'd like to close this in prayer. If you bow your heads, close your eyes. Lord, thank you for bringing us through 2007. Thank you for bringing me through my storms, and thank you for bringing the others that are here through theirs. Lord, we ask you just to strengthen our faith as we inevitably will come to storms in 2008. But Lord, let us have our, our faith so strong that as we see those storms, we might approach them with a, with a sense of vitality and a sense of positive enthusiasm and excitement that says, Lord, bring it on so that I might ride those waves and grow more in my companionship and our love for you. Let this message just rest on our hearts, Lord, as we move from 2007 and we cross over into 2008, into the new seasons of our lives. In your faithful name we pray.